November 24th, 1946. Ted Bundy is born, and I have some great birthday gifts for him if he helps me to my Volkswagen Beetle. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And super excited to have a, uh, a guest making their first appearance on the show. Uh, the very, very funny Kate Strobel, everyone. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, and thank you for listening. You know, we don't say it enough. You know what? You're golden, listeners. Hmm. Little, uh... Eh. <laughs> if you're Patreon subscribers, you're golden. Everybody else? <laughs> Silver at best. <laughs> if you've written a review, you're silver. If you just listen and that's it, bronze. Hard bronze. <laughs> bronze is still a valuable part of the of the listener ecosystem, though. Uh, we yeah. shouldn't uh, disparage the the freeloaders and the losers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that took a weird turn. I don't know about that. Yeah, you really. Tapped into your inner Trump at the end. <laughs> God damn it, I did. I didn't mean to. What do we do on this show that now that we've insulted probably the bulk of the listenership? Yeah, well, first we get most of the people to turn off the show. <laughs> and we've completed that segment of the podcast. <laughs> Check it off the list. So after that, uh, we examine a person or event or a place from history and one person gives the true account of that noun from history. And the other person <laughs> then gives up a crazy made up bullshit alternate version of noun. And at the end, we vote on which becomes the real history of this brilliant spinning little blue marble called Earth going forward. <laughs> was that like the Mad Libs version of, of of the show description? Well, you gotta keep it fresh, and I find the best way to keep it fresh is to vague it up even more than you normally do. If you are, even, even if you are a lowly bronze listener, you may remember that the last episode was about Clipperton Island and the strange mini-tyranny and murder that occurred there. And uh, you'll be excited to know that we have decided the alternate version presented by Timmy Lasley, where Clipperton Island was like kind of an Overlook Hotel host of ghosts um, mm -hmm. that drove this madness to occur, ultimately won out at the end of the day. So congrats to Timmy, who is probably undefeated as a guest in creating alternate histories. I believe so. Yeah, she made Washington two kids in a coat. I remember that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, she did uh, Black Tom Island, uh, I remember. Yeah. Which I think she just made that a party island. Yeah, well. Which, it worked. Uh, we can't argue with results. That's democracy. Yeah, we um, have decided that is actually what it was. So... Mm -hmm. There is no point debating this. It is oh, cool. a fact. <laughs> really, I seem like the crazy one now. <laughs> but uh, this week, we're going to be discussing the Franklin Expedition. Mm -hmm. um, as per my normal tradition, I have read absolutely nothing about the Franklin Expedition. Because <laughs> I didn't have to do any of the work parts this week. <laughs> well, um, Kate, you're doing the actual history. Yep, I will enlighten you. Hey there. This is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. 
You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Longtime bronze listener, so I'll be sure to leave a review after this recording. <laughs> you know what? Go ahead and put on that silver medal now. Uh, yeah, by the way, I listeners, just... you should have gotten your medals in the mail. Uh, if not, send us a postcard at 323 Fake Street, uh, Normaltown, USA. Ooh. And incidentally, we are now thousands of dollars in debt because we bought a <laughs> lot of silver medals. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about gold and silver is it does not devalue. <laughs> that uh, is a real kick in the ass when you're going to buy a bunch of it. To be fair, we're only mailing out like two gold medals, so <laughs> mostly that's just an investment. We're just going to bury the rest in our backyard for if, uh, you know, the apocalypse comes or whatever. <laughs> well, anyway, yes, the Franklin Expedition, also known as Franklin's Lost Expedition. They really shouldn't have called it that. I think that was kind of a poor, a bad omen. Yeah. Also known as a bunch of people stuck in ice (laughs) for all eternity. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I just got, I I just, I don't want to get. I do think that that name, when they came up with that name, they really should have been like, wait a minute. Do we really want to call? That's also where they got the idea for like the novelty ice cube trays that have like a fake fly in them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just all the dudes trapped in ice. (laughs) The horrific deaths. (laughs) (laughs) So the Franklin Expedition uh, was really one of the later stage journeys to try and find a successful uh, passageway through something called the Northwest Passage, Mm -hmm. which um, was basically this big shortcut, is a big shortcut um, from Europe over to Asia. Uh, They were trying to find successful trade routes through the Canadian Arctic by voyaging through the Canadian Arctic archipelagos to ultimately get to India and Asia and ship some stuff over there and save a bunch of money and have great trade routes and everybody wins. Just everybody wins except (laughs) probably like the Inuit people um, (laughs) who rarely get to win. Um, Very true. But also like Arctic Archipelago, that's the part that's like 80% of Canada, part of Canada no one really thinks about also. No. Uh, I have discovered partway into this uh, account of the true history, I actually do know a lot about this because I recently watched the AMC show (laughs) The Terror, which was entirely about the Franklin Expedition. (laughs) I was wondering, because I was almost positive that was a show you would watch, so (laughs) I was like... Maybe he was drunk when he watched it. <laughs> well, that, I mean, it can be two things. <laughs> nope. Anytime someone drinks, they don't remember a thing. That's how alcohol works. I'm a 30-year-old cool adult. <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't seen that show, but fitfully named um, as the two ships that Sir John Franklin took uh, on this expedition were one named the HMS Erebus and two the HMS Terror, hence the Terror. <laughs> Again, all ominous names. Franklin's yeah. last expedition, the Terror, all sorts of shit like that. Yeah, Erebus. It turns out um, from Greek mythology is basically just the personification of darkness. So. Oh, Jesus Christ! Who names boats? <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> we're going through like a hardcore like. Dark phase when they were naming yeah. these boats. Yeah, that's like, when they, they were like, like 
picked their MySpace name and they yeah, were just like Yeah, it was like, like a surly 16 year old British Empire <laughs> who's like, I'm naming it Erebus. <laughs> <laughs> Let me Fuck listen you, to I won't do what you tell me. But, uh, yeah, the, the year is 1845. Uh, this guy, John Barrow, who's the second secretary of the Admiral, he's like, Hey, we gotta we gotta invest in the navy. We gotta get our ships through the Northwest Passage. This is gonna be amazing. There's only about seventy thousand square feet of Arctic that's unknown <laughs> and untraversed at this point in time. I need somebody to figure this shit out and get us over to Asia. Um, get that sweet, sweet opium. <laughs> yes. Uh, we need a faster route to opium. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, John Franklin was not his first choice. Um, he was actually like his sixth choice or so. <laughs> um, bunch of other younger guys. Uh, J- uh, John Franklin was 59, so not necessarily in his prime to go on another Arctic voyage. But from what I could tell, he was also kind of a dick and <laughs> just didn't really have a super successful track record in general. Uh, his first voyage through the Arctic... Uh, he lost 11 out of the 20 men he had with him. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, reports show that that expedition ended in cannibalism. Maybe some foreshadowing of what we're going to hear today. On it's only lost. a loss if it's a total party wipe. Everything else is a, is a passable victory. Yeah, even, even cannibalism is like, no, you can still come back from that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so John Barrow finally settles on John Franklin to go take this large expedition. Uh, He outfits him with these two ships, the Erebus and the Terror. These are super cool um, Arctic fortified ships, super Mm -hmm. fortified hulls. Um, They're actually steam engines, so they're able to make some headway without the wind. Pretty cool technological advances. And the steam also gets to keep everybody warm in the winter where they know they're going to be stuck in the Arctic for at least a couple winters have to hang out on this ship. <laughs> also, it had like a fish tank in it because they let Exhibit work on it for a little bit, I think. This is, this is a pretty huge voyage. They're expecting it to take at least three years. So they have to prepare these ships with a shit ton of stuff. Um, the ships actually had uh, over 32,000 pounds of preserved meat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so much meat. <laughs> A thousand pounds of raisins, 580 gallons of pickles, (laughs) Um, and ultimately 8,000 tins of food. And um, (laughs) the order to get these 8,000 tins stocked, uh, the guy that actually took the order only had about eight weeks to prepare them. So he had to move really quickly. get a bunch of food stuffed into these cans and then ultimately solder them. And he didn't do a great job at that because there was a lot of lead uh, soldering done that ultimately ended up dripping its way into the food that everybody was eating. Oh, that's a spicy meatball. Uh, And that spice? (laughs) Lead, it turns out. (laughs) Which tastes a little bit like coriander. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> you can't make a good salsa without it, I think, really. That's the secret. What a uh. droll reaction you have to being poisoned by your food. <laughs> Our spicy meatball. <laughs> Arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I mean, these these ships are stocked, you guys. They got food, they got books, they got rum. They're ready to rock for three years. And they set sail from England with about 130 men uh, in 1845. Um, first stop is Disco Bay in Greenland. <laughs> Which is way <laughs> less cool than it sounds. Uh, I feel like I need to... It's very cold, but I feel like this you can still have a pretty good disco. <laughs> to be fair, by far the least ominous thing that has occurred. <laughs> <laughs> the terror and the Erebus took that ill Go to Disco to Bay, which definitely Bay. sounds like a disco lyric a little bit. <laughs> I mean, well, disco- there's about to be <laughs> panic at the God disco God Bay. Uh, I knew that was coming. Uh, no, Disco Bay was uh, good times. They they kind of just hung out there. They got a fuck ton of ox meat. Uh, They're like, yeah, we got more fresh meat. We're ready to go. And uh, they make their way into the archipelagos, uh, and they end up on uh, this really small, tiny little island called Beachy Island in 1845, <laughs> and they end up wintering there from 1845 to 1846. And this is the first place where there's some indication that things have gone a little bit awry. Um, <laughs> I do like that. Whoever named Beachy Island didn't want to commit to fully saying it was a beach. It was just <laughs> beachy. Beach-esque. Beachy, I believe, was another explorer who was the first person to set foot on this tiny little two-square-mile island. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess this is what I get to name after myself. Uh-huh. Now, once again, I've been proven to be stupid. <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> so Carl, mark off that part of the podcast that we have every single week. It's just the most indignant response to that. <laughs> 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 Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Beach Island, um, we now know uh, because of a rescue expedition that went to find Franklin and his buddies that three people actually perished on Beachy Island. Mm-hmm. The first time that people lost their lives uh, on the Franklin expedition. Uh, and this is actually pretty interesting because if you do ever Google the lost Franklin expedition, one of the first like Google images that comes up is of this a perfectly preserved dead body of this guy named John Torrington. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I recommend Googling it if you like looking at that sort of thing. <laughs> if you like looking at perfectly preserved dead bodies. Uh, it's pretty and terrifying. If you don't, go home, square. <laughs> yeah, nerd. <laughs> Google it now. Um, Idiots be- like you name things Disco Bay instead of Aramis. <laughs> 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 yeah and of course their dinghy avenge sevenfold i guess <laughs> yeah um, uh, john's body uh very like very disturbing the the image of it his mouth is like perfectly open exposing all of his teeth his eyes are wide open um, he has severe uh, frostbite to where his like whole forehead and nose is just completely black. It's pretty terrifying. And then you get down to the pictures that show his whole body and his like hands are perfectly preserved with fingernails. And it's, I don't know, it's one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, when you got to that whole body shot, I was not... Uh... <laughs> 
just, I just pictured someone sending that to someone on Tinder. Just that picture of that mummy, which I'm pulling up right now. Yeah, do it. Because I, I need to refresh my memory. Yeah, that's uh, cool. But please, while I'm doing this, feel free to... Yeah. While I'm indulging my mummy fix. So... Just, Send it as your wallpaper already, Brian. You Google it twenty times a day. <laughs> yeah, so those those graves are ultimately found in 1850, uh, but you know, due to respecting the dead, they were not exhumed at that time. They were exhumed in the the 1980s, actually, by this guy named uh, Owen Beatty. And he performed autopsies on the bodies for the first time, which indicated that they uh, most likely died of pneumonia, um, possibly also tuberculosis. But they also definitely had high as fuck amounts of lead in their body, (laughs) although that was probably ultimately not the cause of death, but it might Mm -hmm. have made them go a little cuckoo. (laughs) Um, Maybe maybe they were in the ship, uh, like freaking out, having some hallucinations from the lead poisoning, and they were like, let's go build a snowman. (laughs) And that's... This Frozen remake is going in a weird direction. (laughs) 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 And that's how they ultimately got pneumonia. Anyway, um, aside from those three guys that die on Beachy Island, we continue to set sail again after that winter, and we head toward King William Island, which ultimately is where these Erebus and the Terror end their journeys. Um, They get stuck in the ice there. Again, they're like, no problem. We're going to winter here. No big deal. Uh, It's going to melt next summer, and it just never melts. (laughs) So they're stuck. They're stuck off of the shore of King William Island for a couple years, actually. Where is global warming when you need it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not started yet, apparently. Not not started yet. Um, Well, and part of the whole hypothesis behind the search for the Northwest Passage, too, is the idea that John Barrow had, um, among others, that there was, like, an open Arctic sea, uh, that there was a point where it just, like, wasn't ice, Mm -hmm. uh, and you could just sail freely uh, to, like, the Arctic Circle, which some people even thought that, like, at the North Pole, there was just, like, a giant hole that all the water flowed into and went down into, like, through the earth to recycle at the South Pole <laughs> because people were idiots. Which, Sorry. as we all know, is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Modern times we have discovered the pole hole. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the pole hole closed on Thanksgiving, uh, opened back up on Black Friday at 4 p.m. for firemen and other people who use poles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Special happy hours <laughs> menu uh, available on the website. Uh, moving on. Yeah, go to polehole.com. Don't go to polehole.com. <laughs> I'm just going to say don't do that right now. <laughs> do it after you look up that dead yeah, body. Do it. Feel free, listen through the episode uh, and then write a review, then you know go what? to polehole. Get that review in before you go to polehole.com. Here's what I want you to do. Open up a tab for the dead body. Open up a tab for polehole.com. <laughs> and then open up a third tab and take a screenshot of whatever's on there, but forget to edit out the other two tabs <laughs> when you share it on social media. 
<laughs> awesome. Oh. Sorry. Anyway. It's okay. We're we're stuck. We're stuck in that ice real good. Um for for years. Uh there are reports that Franklin ultimately died in 1847. Uh and at some point everyone decides after Franklin's death to just totally abandon ship and they're going to make their way across the Arctic tundra to f- try and find some Inuit communities or some some sign of civilization because they're just totally going to die on the ship if they don't do this. At by this point in time, the 129 crew is probably down to like 40 people who actually decide they're going to walk <laughs> across the Arctic freeze. <laughs> that's like that's the point when you just like abandon your Uber pool basically. I don't know. I've never taken one. I can't speak. Uh I have no reference point for that. I was just trying to jump on a popular comedy trope. I'm sorry. All right. So now we've established that uh Brian is an idiot and completely full of shit, so we can move past that. Mark it on the board. (laughs) Welcome to Two Idiots Completely Full of Shit. Needless to say, everybody dies. All 40 (laughs) people trying to walk across the Arctic tundra, they die. Uh, Meanwhile, back in England, uh, John Franklin's wife, uh, Jane, Lady Franklin, She's freaking out a little bit. She's like, I haven't heard from my wife, everyone in Europe, or from my husband. Everyone in Europe is like, of course you haven't. He's in the Arctic. It hasn't even been the three years yet. You need to calm down. Uh, She persists, and she's actually uh, convinces people to, convinces with a sum of 20,000 euros, which Mm -hmm. today would be like 1.8 million euros, um, to go and try and figure out what happened to Franklin and basically do these rescue missions. So that one in 1850 that I talked about where we find the three graves on Beachy Island is mm-hmm. the, the first indication that they at least made it to Beachy Island. Um, there was some notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know they were here. <laughs> some notes left that they successfully wintered there, but... That, that's pretty much all the information we get at that point in time. Um, in 1854, this guy, John Ray, also at the behest of Lady Franklin, he goes on another expedition to try and figure out what happened to Franklin and his friends. Uh, and he gets uh, a little bit more clues uh, than we previously had. He finds some relics. Um, and he also uh, connects with the Inuit community. He's like, hey, guys, uh, have you seen... Any Englishman walking about the Arctic tundra <laughs> and the natives say, why, yes, we saw them eating each other last year. <laughs> to, to think finally someone <laughs> thought to ask the Inuit. <laughs> Just like, no, we got this. And then anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so John Ray, he goes back to England. He tells everybody, yeah, I, t- I was talking to, I was talking to the natives we got a situation out there. Uh, everyone's <laughs> dead, and they were definitely participating in cannibalism. Uh, the Inuits actually showed me some pots with uh, clear signs that there were human body parts being boiled in here. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I not to discount that, but I also did picture like, uh, an Inuit being like, and this is the witch's eyes. And like a bowl of peeled grapes. <laughs> um, everyone in England is like, no, that couldn't possibly be true. Uh, Franklin and his men would never eat each other. You're insane. Particularly our good friend Charles Dickens. He's like, give me a break. 
that would never happen. He gets super pissed off and he actually writes a play about Franklin's Lost <laughs> Expedition. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know this part. <laughs> However, in this play, he turns it around and he says that the Inuits ate the Englishmen. Well, Dickens, uh, you're Problematic usually... fave, 1860, <laughs> whatever this is. Dickens are usually way better than that. Come on, buddy. Um, but yeah, ultimately, not until 1859, this guy McClintock does another, uh, another journey to figure out what happened. He finds a note left in some rock carns uh, that pretty much says, uh, first winter, all was well, and after that, Second winter, uh, everybody. <laughs> yeah. It just had like a drawing of someone tugging on their collar. <laughs> After that second winter, everybody abandoned ship. Um, and it actually wasn't until uh, 2014 that either of the ships were found. Um, the Erebus was found sunken uh, nearby uh, Prince William Island. And... Uh, the location is currently still undisclosed, um, mm. preserved by the Canadian Historical Society, um, but they found it. The, the chef, for some reason, just like the look in your eyes was like the Canadian Historical Society <laughs> made it seem like you were equating them with like the Freemasons or something. I also don't know if the Canadian Historical Society is a real thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> The people who found it aren't telling anybody. And uh, then in 2016, we ultimately find the terror also south of King William Island. Um, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much the long and short of it. Uh, do, you think, <laughs> do you think this is like the only story the Canadian Historical Society gets to tell where anything exciting happens? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everything else is like, you know... Just them talking about how maple syrup was found or how uh, <laughs> they were able to go Seth to the Rogan doctor when born. they needed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, Seth Rogen. Uh, he's like their Paul Bunyan. <laughs> he's seven feet tall. Or wait, that's not that tall. <laughs> 70 feet tall. There we go. <laughs> Modest Paul Bunyan. <laughs> I mean, that's very Canadian, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly a large legacy around this voyage and the lost expedition. Uh, Margaret, Margaret Atwood has written about it. Mark Twain has written about it. Our buddy Charles, Charles Dickens, obviously. Um, even James Taylor, upon seeing photos <laughs> of Taylor. the dead man, wrote a song called The Frozen Man. <laughs> well, that's a little on the nose, Jim. Uh <laughs> And of course, also Charles Dickens, the original Chuck D. Uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> um, could I end by just reading some lyrics oh my God, uh, from yes, James Taylor's "The Frozen Man"? Yes, okay. please. Okay, I'll try to do it spoken word esque. The last thing I remember is the freezing cold <laughs> water reaching up <laughs> just to swallow me whole. Ice in the rigging and howling wind. Shock to my body as we tumbled in. Mercy from God. My brothers and the others are lost at sea. I alone am returned to tell thee. Hidden in ice for a century to walk the world again. 
Lord, have mercy on the frozen man. <laughs> James Taylor. And he goes into like a weird <laughs> reggae breakdown at that point. <laughs> you guys should like outro with that song or something. <laughs> yeah. Brian, can you get can you like bed some like howling wind sound effects underneath that rendition of the song? Come <laughs> come Uh Kate, thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or we're on Stitcher so they could find a place where you can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. That was a good, uh, good attempt at like what what the mainstream uh, media wants you to know about the Franklin Expedition. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to talk about John and Janet Franklin for a little bit because uh, John and Janet Franklin were a lot of things. Uh, they were a loving couple. They were philanthropists, uh, and they were the greatest husband and wife team of jewel thieves in Western history. Um, they stole the crown jewels, uh, just for fun. Uh, they stole rubies, uh, as big as a can of baked beans, <laughs> that now, standard measurement. Uh, have they ever stolen the pyramids? Because otherwise I'm going to go ahead and say, mm, ain't no Carmen San Diego, are they? <laughs> <laughs> they stole the pyramids. They stole, uh, Queen Victoria's ring, uh, right off her, uh, pinky toe. So, you know, really just so skilled um, at, at thieving. They met while they were running with a larger crew called Terror Bus. Uh, just, and, you know, this crew was really clicking. You know, they were clicking, man. And, um, but heist teams, they tend to drift apart. You know, it's, it's a high-pressure profession, uh, a lot of strain on relationships, uh, there's double crosses. People go to spinoffs. Paul Walker dies. Um, so after a while, uh, John and Janet were the only ones left standing. Uh, and they decided it was time to retire. Uh, so they plan one last big score. They went to the British Museum and they stole uh, the largest diamond in England, which was called the Rather Large Diamond. Uh, <laughs> so dumb Jesus Christ after uh, its discoverers John Rather and Edward Large yeah Edward Large man he had a very successful career in erotic novels after after discovering diamonds could you yeah. compare the size of the rather large diamond to a can of beans uh, it was like a double Bush's baked beans can so not like the single one uh, or even definitely not like the half one but like the double the, fa- the v- family size one uh, so you know roll that beautiful bean footage uh, <laughs> I think that's trademarked um, thinking about those beans as the internet is so fond of saying I side note um, I don't know why I bother to say side note this is all side note now I have a friend who is deeply afraid of pictures of baked beans in like drinking glasses or like what? where you should what is- like baked beans in situations where you sh- baked beans should not be which has led me to dig oh, up okay. <laughs> I'm sorry 
one, how did how was this discovered? Did somebody offer them water, but they didn't have water, so they thought, oh, how about some beans instead? I don't know how it originated. I don't know at all. Uh, but it, it is amazing because, uh, of course, now I dig up so many pictures of baked beans in improper contexts. And again, listeners, please don't Google beans where they shouldn't be and see what comes up because this seems like a terrible idea. Or do and put it in that. That's the third tab after pull hole in the mummy. I'm, beans where they shouldn't be. That'd be like, if that's a porn site, you would be like their first hit in months, I feel like. Well, if it's not, I'm going to register the domain and be a millionaire by March. <laughs> oh god damn it um so uh they stole the diamond and they sail off to van diemen's land uh or as it's later known tasmania um and they live the good life janet opens a cabana uh john he makes a living selling seashells with googly eyes on them um and things were great for a while um but you know that that same that paranoia sets in you know you and your thief partner are just hiding out in Tasmania. You get paranoid. That's what happens. After uh, after Janet takes out a life insurance policy on John, he begins to get suspicious that she's going to make off with the rather large diamond. Uh, and she was going to. She was just going to grease him first. Um, so, and also that life insurance policy probably would have cleared like $100 in that time. So, a lot. Um, so... On the morning of May 19th, 1845, uh, Janet heads down to John's Crab Shack, where he uh, paints the seashells. Oh, I thought he had opened a restaurant. Oh, no, no. That was, uh, maybe it's maybe a- he sold some crabs out the back. Those, the records are spotty. Okay. With a poison shrimp cocktail. She opens the door, and he's gone. There's just a bunch of seashells with googly eyes, I guess, staring back at her. She uh, She didn't know where he was. But she knew where he was going uh, because they knew uh, about the Arctic, the land of ice, which they thought meant land of diamonds. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. So they're incredibly stupid, incredibly <laughs> successful jewel thieves. Yes. Very high street smarts, low book smarts okay. at this point. So um, probably didn't even know about the pole hole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, only that was only in legend at that point. So behind Janet's back, John had hatched a plan, uh, reaching out to some members of Terror Bus. You know, getting the team back together. Jonathan Crozier, uh, the Wheel Man, who never felt Franklin trusted him enough. Henry D.S. Good Sir, the medic. Uh, the D.S. stands for Doctor Strange. <laughs> uh, not like. Not like the comic book character. He just had sex with a lot of people he didn't really know. Oh, um, that's really bad. Oh, my God. Uh, James Fitzjames. Uh, he was the muscle. But for a mission that's crazy, they needed a wild card. So enter Patrick the Cannibal Fitzpatrick. Explosive expert and cannibal. Two skills that are integral to heists. <laughs> Frankly, thought I was crazy enough to work. <laughs> 
Just like in Ocean's Eleven, you always see it. The the car guy, the explosions expert, the gymnast, the cannibal. It's part of the team, baby. Sandra Bullock made such a good cannibal in Ocean's Eight, though. I think yeah. people really need to give her credit for but that. But I just don't think they could ever replace Dahmer in the original group. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, classic. It's a classic. Um, So they told people they were looking for the Northwest Passage, uh, which the Northwest Passage was actually just uh, the name of Franklin's favorite brand of smokes. Uh, So that was just a ruse. Uh, And they set off with the rather large diamond tucked safely inside uh, Franklin's sock, (laughs) which was very uncomfortable. (laughs) Picturing um, the double wide bush beans in yeah, my that sock. Bald, that bald, well, he told people he had goiters. That's the thing. That was way more common then. Uh, Janet Franklin, that's when she's sending out search party after search party, uh, trying to get that diamond back, but no one could find them. Uh, one crew did find a letter from Crozier on a beachy island. Uh, it was mostly destroyed, but one line was legible, uh, and it read... Quote, I mean, he has cannibal right in the name, end quote. Um, so over the years, uh, Janet almost, she like came to like grudgingly admire John in a way for his chutzpah. Uh, whenever she would talk about him, sometimes she would kind of get this smirk on her face and stare off into the middle distance and just go, that son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> which confused people a lot. Um but Janet wasn't out. You know, the thing they always said about her was she had the best long con in the game. Uh, she ran numbers for a while. She ran the uh, the old uh, pick-a-pony scheme, the old um, Melbourne mix-up, uh, you know, all sorts of scams. Mm-hmm. And so as she uh, as she lays dying, um, <laughs> she <laughs> she uh, she calls her her daughter to her to her bedside. And with her last breaths, produces two documents. The first, her will, says, um, My diamond is still trapped in that ice somewhere, and you will get it back, even if you have to melt the Arctic to do it. And in the other hand, she held blueprints for the first internal combustion engine. And that's the alternate history of the Franklin Expedition. It's the cause of global warming. We wouldn't have had it if not. Otherwise, we would have never, never gotten here. Of course. It all comes back to one particular person we can blame for our problems instead of ourselves. These, um, isn't that convenient, multi-billion dollar industries only exist to collect a singular diamond. <laughs> Is that that out of uh, out of the realm of believability, though? I ask. <laughs> I like it. I liked the Faulkner reference in the ending. Yeah, yeah, that was totally. I only realized it as I was saying it. <laughs> Very literary today. We've got Dickens. We've got Faulkner. We've got Atwood. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and only one of those is really readable now. Yeah, John. Uh, John shout out Mar- James Taylor. <laughs> uh, uh, Old Maggie Atts. Um, <laughs> that's her rap name. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and it's Jesus. the at symbol. It's not, yeah. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, she's on tour with Ty Dollar Sign right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you read Handmaid's Tale? 
<laughs> and then she just reads Handmaid's Tale over a beat for the next 12 hours. It's a book on tape is what it is, really. Uh, <laughs> I prefer edible woman. <laughs> <laughs> Was she insulting her own book at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Check out my She's trying to get the word out about some of her lesser-known works. <laughs> check out, uh, check out Angel Catbird dropping, of course, on Spotify. Uh, which is weird because it's a graphic novel. It wouldn't, anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is now a Margaret Atwood podcast, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's called Leprechaun in the Wood. Uh, so, <laughs> God damn it. So, listeners, uh, just real quick, I want to remind everyone that we're a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network, which I'm not sure is a proud <laughs> pr- provider of us, uh, of our show. Um, uh, other shows on the network include the Denver Pizza Podcast, uh, which is on a sacred quest to try every single pizza in Denver, uh, which I've been on and... I hope I get to be back on with better pizza. Um, what pizza you get? You get that little C's? You get uh, that Papa J's? <laughs> no, no, I think it was mostly not. It was a place called Ian's, uh, which was... Wow, shots fired, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Brian does not like Mizzah. Straight C-level pizza, like very middle of the road. Uh, wouldn't kick it out of bed, but wouldn't invite it into bed. Don't know what any of this means. <laughs> so yeah basically in the situation if ian's pizza you came home and like that one seat in the godfather there was just a piece of ian's pizza lying in your bed you would not remove it you would yeah. lay atop it and get your sleep that, that is actually really close to what i mean i think because if like someone is providing that pizza for me yes in a godfather like scenario uh then yeah i would i would eat that pizza i would not pay money for that pizza anyway for more on that, check out the Ian's Check out Brian's episode. Yelp page for more. <laughs> Weird, also, confused reviews where he doesn't know what metaphor he wants to go yeah, with. Yeah, it's called convolutedreviews.com. <laughs> also, you can uh, ask us a question uh, or leave us a comment via our website, uh, revisionistpodcast.com, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on all of those. Uh, so come uh, interact with us, which is spoken like someone who does not value human interaction. Uh, Kate, you're going to be on an awesome show, uh, Power Move, coming up December 6th. That's correct. We, that's a Thursday night at Image Brew, uh, which is hosted by Nathan Lund and Aaron Urist. Uh, Nathan Lund, former former guest on the show. Aaron Urist, just a good guy. Uh, but Kate is very, very funny. So whenever you get a chance, please check her out. Yeah, please come, everybody. It's an it's an awesome show. It's a really cool venue called Image Brew. Uh, it'll be a good time. Come support local comedy. As for me, uh, I uh, December sixth also I host co-host Queen City Companion, an all fall storytelling show at Muni Information Cafe with friend of the show Jen Colic. Uh, it's a really fun time. Uh, come check that out at eight o'clock. And uh, my show Know Your Shit is going to be having its last uh, show at comedy room room uh one of the last shows before the venue closes uh that'll be december 16th come out to that it's going to be a bonkers lineup and hopefully by then we'll have a new home to announce for that but zach i believe you are uh judging this episode yeah um 
I don't know. I was thinking about it, thinking about the options, and I uh, think it was. It's it's kind of a difficult choice this time. I feel like, but there are two factors that uh, that pushed me in a certain direction. One. I like that AMC show, The Terror, a lot. <laughs> so I kind of want that to still exist. And if I vote for the other one, it stops existing. <laughs> that beautiful spoken word Frozen Man iteration <laughs> just put the point, the performance points that put it over the top. So I think this time I'm going to go with the real history. But that's not the end of the game because it's still up to you, the listening audience, to vote on which you prefer. Uh, and that voting is now open as you're hearing this. So go ahead. And now that the important voting is over, uh, <laughs> vote in something uh, far less consequential. <laughs> yeah, of course. Just practice until the next time. Yeah, of course. Consider voting for this show. Practice for the 2020 primaries in general. So elections. every poll that we do for this show, we're going to have three options. The real, the alternate, and Trump. And you just don't pick Trump. Like, that's just the practice you're going to get. Never pick that's the Trump the thing. option. That's... And you'll be... Yeah, good for 2020. <laughs> and really, once you get that training under your belt, there'll be no stopping you. Uh, but Kate, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, so much fun. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun time. Um, <clears throat> Zach, thank you as always. Of course. Thank uh, you, Zach, for picking me the rightful winner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we don't need to make me feel bad. <laughs> I mean, that is part of, if you look at the list of things we do on this podcast that we've been scratching off, make Brian feel bad is right there. <laughs> and it's usually me who's the one checking that one off. So Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're glad to help you pick up the slack this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's good because i have been slacking and i don't deserve love now uh for everyone here at the revisionist i'm brian flynn i'm zach powers have a good time <laughs> <laughs>